Today is Tuesday, January 29th, and you're listening to Life in General with Ron Tang. Hey guys, uh, what's going on? First of all, today, this episode, I want to say shout out to my friend Jake for getting me this new interface uh, from Tascam. I don't know if you guys can hear the difference, but there's a lot of these cool functions I can use on this. Uh, the only thing with this is I got to press the on air button before I start recording. But other than that, it's got these sound effects that I'm not going to use yet. I got the, the reverb set up. So there is a slight echo. Apparently that's better for recording. But uh, yeah, anyways, I'm in a bit of a giving mood. I'm going to show you guys something cool for this episode. Um, at the bottom of the, the description on SoundCloud or whichever app you use, I'm going to provide a link. And I found out, my friend gave me this. It's super cool. I call it LibGen. It's a library genesis. <clears throat> uh, pretty much any book uh, that you can find that has um, the ISBN code, you just put that in. Uh, well, every book has an ISBN code, but if you put the ISBN code in the uh, the library genesis, any book that has ever been converted into a PDF file or has uh, an e-copy, you can get. So this is super useful. There's a lot of textbooks. I just downloaded, I don't know, like 100 books, a uh, bunch of literature that I'll probably never finish. Uh, I'm going to get to later. It's going to be super cool now that you guys can get a lot, like a ton of books for free, and it's going to save you hundreds of dollars uh, if you're like a chapters regular like me who just buy books and let some of them collect dust. But yeah, anyways, moving on. I've been reading some uh, interesting articles about um, uh, drug addiction and whatnot and the difference between the chemicals in your brain, uh, which is uh, serotonin, dopamine hits, uh, delta B and oxytocin. Oxytocin, which is uh, the love drug, they call it. Uh, serotonin it actually serves as uh, this thing that seeks out pleasure, which is like sleep, food, sex, uh, and th- like it's like a mood mood regulator. So I'm almost finished writing this article about it. Uh, it's a long one on pseudo modernism, which I will share uh, once it's completed. Uh, it took me about almost eight months to write it, and um, what influenced me is uh, well, obviously everything like current events, everything that's changed right now, uh, pseudo modernism, which is in terms of you know having everything one click away. Uh, it's like post, 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 post modernism. The the generation Z, I believe, which is after the millennials and the millennial age. I know uh, public speaker Simon Sinek touches up on a lot of this stuff, but um, I had plans. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm all over the place today. Um, I had plans to uh, visit Vancouver because I have a friend who's working out there, and um, I plan to stay out there for for two months. Why not just give it a shot in my line of work? I read this book, and what partly inspired me to go out there to see the opioid crisis, and well, first of all, it's sky high, the amount of deaths that's happening out in BC. And reading uh, Dr. Gabor Mate, he actually just recently did a 
an episode, a podcast with Russell Brand, and he touches up on addiction, uh, especially what's going on in the opioid crisis uh, down East Hastings, which if you've seen pictures or you've even uh, been out to BC, because I've seen this on a few movie sets, that's made it look like uh, East Hastings. It looks like post-apocalyptic, where it's, uh, it's an alleyway. Well, it's a huge, it's a very long street with addicts and recovering addicts and people that bring their cameras in there usually get attacked <clears throat> by some of the the um, homeless people that's there. And then on weekends, what happens is they typically have like a, a black market where a bunch of addicts have stolen goods. And apparently when you go there during one of those days, you can get Anything from like gold chains, CDs, electronics, groceries, like valuable steak, uh, like high grade premium steak, Angus beef for like dirt cheap. There's eggs, there's clothes. So, and it's all stolen goods. So what they do is, you know, they, they obviously spend their days, you know, stealing valuable goods, you know, and then just pawn them off for cash for drugs. Quite fascinating how um, Dr. Matei, he's a... Uh, I think he's a, he's a hung, he's a Jewish Hungarian doctor that talks about addiction and this is something that I can relate to as well. So he actually relates this to his classical music addiction where he you know he chases that high it's the dopamine hit and it's very fascinating to me researching about uh, especially dopamine and um, the article I write uh, touches up on a lot of these things which is now coming into light. Whereas before, um, this is only understood by, you know, physicians and, and people that dealt with this sort of stuff. So people are understanding, like, the pathways and how the brain wires itself and rewires itself. And, um, you know, if we're going to get into stereotypes and whatnot, I've known a lot of gambling addicts, you know, coming from an Asian family. And, you know, you can see it in their eyes just sitting at the Baccarat table, consumed by the moment, like, chasing that everlasting dopamine hit regardless of you know the the debt that's building up they walked in and left their souls behind you know inside every brothel opioid den casino internet gaming you know even intangible things like social media you know the dopamine hits the rush it gets you know you're gonna need more of it and more of it and actually you can see the brain changes in the x-rays and and you know the what do you call it the the mri scans how this much of the brain is affected by addiction and, you know, constant dopamine hits. You know, it's really, it's really fascinating stuff. So I'll read a part of the article for you. It's, it's a long one, but not. I'm just going to read you this small part of this. Uh, it's about porn addiction. And <clears throat> in this article, I touch up on a lot of things, you know, on, on pseudo-modernism about, you know, uh, the, L, the LGQBT community my perspectives on, on a lot of other things, but, you know, toxic masculinity, um, serotonin junkies. So I'll read you a little excerpt, uh, and this is just about this kind of addiction. And it goes, uh, I wholeheartedly agree on the ban on pornography among student campuses. Oh, by the way, this is a huge epidemic right now. I don't know uh, if you guys know, there's this uh, thing called Fight the New Drug, and it's this is something I quit years ago because I was uh, made to believe that this was something that was healthy in sex in uh, educating myself in sex, but I think a lot of people just used it, um, you know, because I think it's very, I think I think we've been lied to by the system, and people say, yeah, porn is healthy, it's not damaging, it can even help your relationships, but, you know, within the past, like, decade, um, you know, just watching friends' relationships and marriages fall apart because of this, 
and the 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 amount of kids who need help with this stuff because they have problems maintaining relationships. You know, admittedly, I am one of them. So this is the excerpt I I wrote um on this whole issue. So. I wholeheartedly agree on the ban on pornography among student campuses. I feel that this epidemic has been overlooked and understudied. It is not something I call to action myself out of fear of being misunderstood, although I've quit it after many years and recommend it to close friends. But if it is ever put into action with success, ones that are self-aware would probably let out a sigh of relief, the same way some of us continue to smoke. But the day cigarettes are completely gotten rid of, most of us would go through the withdrawal, clench our fists, and then look up to the sky to let out an ever so slightly thank you. As much as we enjoy watching porn, a whole lot of us, especially men now, are starting to realize the lasting and damaging effects on us, our nature, our relationships, our skewed perception of women, the unrealistic expectations we are signaling. It desensitizes you. It may sound exaggerated to people who can use it in a healthy manner, the same way everyday people do with drugs and alcohol, but at the same time I am not speaking of conventional vanilla sex porn. I am talking about years of escalating to harder material in which I believe that's how fetishes are formed slash discovered by an individual. It can lead to depravity. As long as there is a demand, there will always be an unending supply. Men are wired for novelty when it comes to sex. It robs you of human decency. Although not as noticeable, it derails your compassion. What's more noticeable is the increasing amount of young men in their 20s with such thing as PIED, porn-induced erectile dysfunction, asking their doctors for Viagra, Cialis prescriptions, leaving the doctors, most of which are from the baby boomer generations and Generation X, scratching their heads. There are parts of the brain circuitry that, that goes haywire the exact same way opioids and other stimulants do to your brain. It's the same reward system that gets triggered after your slash quote-unquote fix, the dopamine rush that comes along with it. Pornography is a pipe dream. Of all men who regularly use massage parlors, escorts, sex tourism, strip clubs, and hope to get quote-unquote lucky on weekends, how many do you think are not porn users? The recent communities that has surfaced in the last decades, such as Your Brain Rebalanced, Your Brain on Porn, RebootNation.com, NoFap.com, is a community of young and old men alike struggling with the very same condition that has found each other to provide advice, tips, and solace to one another on how to beat this addiction. The running theme I've noticed from abstinence and everything else between seems to be one thing, self-loathing to self-mastery. And uh, that's it. That's that's all I'm going to give you for now. Um when I finish the article, I will post it so you guys uh, can go read it. And it's about a lot more than that. That's just a little segment of, of um, just just on addiction by itself. So, But yeah, Dr. Gabor Mate, he sympathizes with the, the addicted drug user and he finds a different approach, just like how um, most people, like they, they're consumed by something they don't understand. And it's fucking fascinating to me. And like, you know, I think everything cor- correlates to each other. I was just watching the conversations with a killer on Netflix with Bundy, just like Jeffrey Dahmer, normal individuals, um, except they have this, which I would I would say it's an escalated fetish, right? Because at the end of the interview, the the hour before he got uh, electrocuted in, uh, I think it was, what, what year was it? 89. A lot of people think like he's trying to blame pornography and he's saying he's just trying to give the FBI agent something, some sort of information to keep himself, you know, from being electrocuted to live longer. You know, I do believe that he does want to live. A lot of people say it's bullshit. He's just stalling. He's just wasting time. But I do think he is telling the truth. And I remember he had this one statement right at the end. He said, you know, um, 
he doesn't know the scientific facts of this, but he said he's met a lot of violent men in jail and without question, without exception, without a doubt, that every single one of them is deeply involved in porn addiction. So, And then Jeffrey Dahmer, same thing. Like Even back in the 70s, 80s, um, they didn't have these uh, internet streaming services or downloaded clips, but they did have magazines and some of them were, you know, uh, fetish based and, you know, it could get violent. It was very, it is still very misogynistic. So these websites and I've, I've checked them out and I think we do, um, for the most part, have a, a skewed perception of women. And yeah, uh, the bottom line is I don't think it's healthy. I really do think that we've been lied to saying that it helps us, it educates us and it can spice up our sex lives. But no, it's just getting more and more depraved. And um, this is something I quit a while ago. So um, as a guy, and I, like all my friends do it, I don't even think uh, like they realize a lot of my friends are addicted to this, this bad habit. So um, I'm, I'm, for, I'm for the fight against it. And uh, a lot of people think it's, it's bullshit that because um, there's an article written about how they want to ban it on campuses. You know, some countries still it's still illegal in some countries. Right. Even in Thailand, I remember like five, six years ago when I tried to access it and it says, like, sorry, you can't. It's not allowed here or some. <coughs> um, in regards to that Bundy case, even people are saying, yo, but I watch it and um, I'm not a serial killer. Well, no shit, right? Because this isn't like it. I'm not saying it turns you into a serial killer. I, I'm saying that there's something in your brain that makes that makes that part tick. Like you were prone to violence. He was prone to violence anyway. And I think it just absolutely added to it. You know, you might have other things that uh, that you don't know, but, you know, you watch all of a sudden, oh, shit, I'm into, I'm into this fetish now. I'm into... That's why I don't think regular users know what I'm talking about. I don't want to get too much into it. So, uh, but yeah, it's never... For me, it's never escalated into, like, fucking, you know, disgust, like, trans and scat and piss. It's never, it's never gotten to that point. But, um, yeah, it's just... It's not, it's not good, and it does... It's the same thing with the dopamine hits. And you, when you quit it, like, you will have some, like, sort of withdrawal, and you will have cravings, but it, it goes away. Um, yeah. Speaking of East Hastings, there's a lot of people now on the streets that carry Naxalone, which is, like, um, a drug that's um, that gives you that hit. I think it's, like, adrenaline that makes you wake up if you're ever, like... Uh, ODing on on opioids, and I'm surprised how many people. Because my friend lives up there, and he said like you know he the everyone around carries it. That's how many overdose deaths there are out in Vancouver. So, but yeah. Anyways, I just got back from watching the new. I don't know if any of my listeners are DBZ DBS fans. I recently saw the 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 Dragon Ball Super brawling movie, which I gotta say like I was excited for it, but at the same time I didn't think it was gonna be. Uh, as good as the original Brawly movie, the story is a little bit different. They tweaked Brawly, um, but fuck, I I like the storytelling in the beginning up until the Brawly fight. Mostly because, uh, well, I liked how they tweaked him. I liked the way he looked, but it's just a lot of things doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it for you guys, but the way they told the story of Go- of Goku's parents back on Planet Vegeta was was good. Um, the way they introduced Frieza was good, and you know the way Frieza handled his business was cool. I just didn't like. It was supposed to be about the fight with Brawly, and just a lot of things didn't make sense. You know, it was too comedic, of course. Uh, that's the problem, I think, with Dragon Ball Super, unlike Dragon Ball Z, which is a bit more serious. Um, you know, Bulma is just, like, chilling. She's just around making her fucking annoying jokes, her nagging. And it's like, 
the whole time Beerus and Wiz was there, but like Wiz could have just taken him out, but he he didn't. There was a lot of uh, characters that were just irrelevant, and they I thought they were annoying. Didn't make sense that Brawly, like having never fought anyone but but his father th- through training, it's like how do you even like power? Sure, you can you know you can surpass Vegeta and Goku, but how do you, you don't have any battle experience? It's like Goku knows like what do you call it? instant transmission? Like he could have just taken you out like bam. You know they're both pretty much in God mode. If you we we've lived with, grew up with Vegeta and Goku. We've seen the battles they fought. You know we know what they've been through. And then Brawly just comes in, and although he is a legendary super strong Saiyan, he doesn't have any battle experience, so it shouldn't even have been a. F- I don't think Vegeta he didn't even need to transform to take this guy. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, I was a little bit disappointed with the movie but like half the movie the half beginning was really fucking good like how they just told the story of like you know the history of little vegeta little goku you know and i almost forgot that raditz was uh, goku's brother that was a that was a good that was a cool little thing that they put in there and um uh, i apologize we still don't have a guest because it's been a shitstorm. Everybody's busy, and uh, it's really hard for me to go downtown right now. But uh, they are coming. If not, the next season. But I do promise you guys, it is coming. And uh, I've been carrying this podcast myself, which isn't a problem. I enjoy doing it, and I think that's the point of it. But I do, uh, I do want to get some interesting characters on here uh, to talk about other topics that I have no idea about. So I, I think that should be very interesting. Anyways, guys, um, thanks for listening again. This is episode 21, and I'll talk to you guys later.